Let me give you some true statements about being a mom that I know without even having been a mom. These are things you don't have to be a mom to know. Being a mom is stressful. Being a mom takes most of your time. It doesn't guarantee satisfaction in life. Now, moms, if you got your kids here, you don't have to say amen to any of that stuff, but we know it's true. Okay? It's stressful. It takes most of your time. It doesn't guarantee you satisfaction in life. It doesn't guarantee it. Moms constantly compare themselves and their children to other moms and their children all the time, or just to other women in general. Moms are nearly twice as likely as other women to get physically sick because of the unending stress of raising kids. And most moms feel spread way too thin at home or work or both. Now that we can learn from just common sense, right? We just pay attention and we know that you see the ladies who have raised or are raising children. You've got them in your life somehow. And you know that it's not easy. It's a tough, tough thing. Lots of things happen that throw a wrench into your wonderful motherhood plans, don't they? Everything's great when they're little, right? Oh, it's wonderful. You don't sleep much, but it's okay. Because they're not causing you much trouble other than keeping you up at night, right? I mean, they're just so happy to see you because you're feeding them. And they're so excited. And you're taking care of them. And all these little kids that come down here, when I tell them to go give a hug and say I love you, most of them will forget because that's just the way kids are. But they're willing to do it, aren't they? And then your kids grow up. They just, I mean, they don't want to even see you, right? Much less give you a hug, tell you I love you. You know, they don't want to do that, you know. And it's hard, I've noticed. Those are things, though, those statements that I read are, are known by experience, obviously, and known certainly by just common sense and watching what moms go through. But those statements, by the way, are the results of a study done by Barna Research in 2014. They did a study on motherhood. And here's what the study showed. I'll just read you a little bit of this. American moms are stressed, tired, overcommitted, and not sure how best to navigate work and family. Yet, they are even more likely than women who aren't mothers to report that they're satisfied with their lives. Isn't that interesting? Moms rank family as their number one priority and report that it's also their top time commitment. Seven of ten say that family takes the lion's share of their time and no other commitment comes close. The nearest competitor for time is career, with just over 2 in 10 moms saying that they spend the majority of their time each week at work. The biggest disparity between priorities, here's what it says. Moms rank career as the last of their priorities after family, personal development, church, and friendships, but career is second on their time commitment. You can see how they're pulled in so many different directions. They struggle to balance their commitments. More than 3 in 10 moms say that they have way too many commitments at work and they feel way too spread thin at home. And that's 3 in 10. I would imagine that the others are just trying maybe to, to just smooth it over because that's how moms are. They asked women to share the area of their lives they would most like to improve and most of them pointed to church. They wanted to be more involved in their faith community. It's interesting. Moms are doing so much. The ladies in our lives doing so much stuff and yet they feel as if they need to do more. And I don't know, because I've not been a mom, but if you are this morning or you've seen one, i got a feeling that's pretty true of, of most. Then they talked about the distorted lens of social media 
talking about drawing comparisons. Social media, as I have talked about before, is in itself a neutral thing, but for the most part is not a positive thing for us, particularly when it comes to this. When practicing, here's what it said, when practicing Christian women compare themselves to their friends through social media, they are 11 times more likely to say that friends have more status and privilege and 10 times more likely to say that others are more creative. Now, I'm not on Pinterest. I have an account, but I don't ever really look at it because the more I got into it, the more I realized this just, this ain't my deal. You know what I mean? But I see so much stuff. Listen, ladies, y'all are trying as best you can to keep up with everybody else and so on. And and you constantly feel like you're falling behind. These ladies are also more likely to believe that others have a better career and superior ability to accomplish tasks. You know why? By the way, you know why? Because everybody's a joke on social media. It's, they're lying. They are lying. Ladies, listen, you post those pictures. You know, how many pictures did they go through to post that one, right? They've got, they've got all their kids lined up, and somehow they're in matching outfits, which had to come from Photoshop, because there ain't no way that you're getting all there. And then they got smiles on their faces with a perfect background. It's all Photoshop, all of it. There ain't nothing happening like that anyway, so, so it's all a lie. But we believe it. And so, anyway, but women, let's just say, are overworked, stressed, tired, underpaid, and not always satisfied with their lives. I think that's probably a fair way to put it. Now, I'm not trying to paint a negative picture. We're just trying to paint reality. Being a mom is difficult. Now, I'll be honest with you. I can't cover all that in one sermon. And y'all are thinking, man, he's just getting going with the introduction. We're going to be here a while. But I can, I can only offer you what I hope is one step toward some freedom, toward, toward some sort of different meaning, maybe toward, toward something in your life as a mom that you say, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I can go after that. So many things that you have to do as a mom. But I, I wonder, how do you choose? How do you, how do you pick what's most important? And can it, be, can it be simplified in any way? I want you to turn with me, if you've got your Bibles handy this morning. 2 Timothy, over in the New Testament. <clears throat> if you're going too fast, you'll miss it. 2 Timothy. <clears throat> First and 2 Thessalonians, First and 2 Timothy. Over in the New Testament, the Bible's there in front of you, by the way, in the pew or the chair, if you didn't bring one, or get on your smartphone or your tablet and check that out. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at two different sets of verses here that point to what I believe will, will help as we, as, as maybe you are a mom, as you help someone in your life who is a mother or whatever. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read verses 3 through 5 and then verses 14 to 17. <clears throat> Well, actually, I, I should be in chapter. No, I've written it down wrong. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Goodness. <clears throat> thank you. You know, I've got these notes here on my iPad. I've got them right here, and most of the time everything's okay. And then when I put it in there wrong, now I not quit anyway. All right, some of you are perfect. Give me a break. Okay. <clears throat> Brent, thanks a lot. Anyway, all right, first, first Timothy, or Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my forefathers did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. 
Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy, clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and that I am also convinced lives in you. And then look at chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Paul, again, writing to Timothy, his understudy, his, his guy he's trying to train. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing those from whom you learned, and that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I really believe that what every mom should want, and I think that every, every believing mom, every Christian mom, probably at her core, wants these things. Verse 3 of chapter 1, he says, you're on my mind. That's what he's talking about. And so I mention you in my prayers constantly. Every mom wants the opportunity, wants to be praying for her children. Verse 4, you're on my mind. And so my response is, I can't wait to see you. I just want to hang out with you. I want to talk about what God is doing in your life because your life brings me great joy. I've never met a Christian mother who does not want to, to hear that their children are walking with the Lord. They, they want to know that their kids are, are doing the right thing and, and that God is living in them. And then verse 5, he talks about the fact that the first thing I, can, I think of is that your commitment to the Lord is so evident. That's what Paul is writing to Timothy, and he mixes in there about this faith that used to be in his grandmother and when it was in his mother. And so obviously they've passed that on to him. And I think also every mom should want what Paul challenges Timothy with in chapter 3, verse 14. And he says, basically, no matter what happens, no matter what anybody else does, I want you to persist and to remain under the direction of Jesus, never abandoning what you've been taught about him and what you've believed. Now, moms, if we boil it down today, if you, if you remember conversations with your mom, if she was a Christian, I guarantee you there was something about these things. Listen, I, I know you're going to do some things in your life, and I know things are, you may go here and go there, but, but this is really what I want for you. I mean, this is just the bottom line truth. I, if I could wish anything for my children, if I'm praying anything, it's, it's these things, just that you're walking with the Lord, and that's, that's what every Christian mom at her core really wants. Because here's the thing. If, if those things don't sum up your goals as a mom... If I can be honest with you for just a minute, and I'll say this for the dads as well, and even the grandparents and so on, if, if, if your kids simply walk in with Jesus for the rest of their lives, if, if that's not the centerpiece of your goals for them, we're selling them out. We're selling them out for our own competitive desires. And, I, and our world is, is extremely competitive. And social media and, and, and all the different sports and activities and so on that kids can be involved in, it only makes it worse, doesn't it? It just selling them out. Let me encourage you today to reconsider or to consider again what God would say. Here's the main thing that we've got to be about. Paul talks about Timothy's mother and Timothy's grandmother. And it seems as if they had one main thing that they were trying to do for their grandson and for their son. And so let me pass this on to you today. If you have children and you are a mom, if you are surrounded by some, some ladies who are mothers, let me encourage you to pass along or to take heart, take to heart this thing. If you are only going to do one thing as a mom, pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. 
that's it. If you only do one thing, there are lots of things you've got to do. But there's nothing, I promise you this, there is nothing more vital. It's not just more important, it is vital, it is crucial that we as parents, that moms in particular as we discuss them today, pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. So many things you could do. So many things you have to do. So many things that are on your mind today that even on Mother's Day, you get to go home and do the dishes. Right? Because your kids are going to try because maybe Dad told them they're going to do a few things around the house. But you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to fix it after they do it, right? That's just the way it is. Because either you've said, you know what, I, I'll just let me take care of it. Or they're, they're maybe just not competent in those ways, you know. I mean, you've tried, but they're just maybe, you know. So you've got a lot of things to do. So let me encourage you, challenge you if it needs to be. If you only do one thing as a mom, if you only reinforce one thing with the moms in your life, please encourage them. Pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. Verse 5, Paul of chapter 1, Paul talks about that he clearly recalls Timothy's sincere faith. It's a faith that's genuine. And he says it first lived in your grandmother and then in your mother. Now, just so you know, Timothy's grandmother and mother were both Jewish. But his father, we know, was Greek, which means that there's a disparity religiously in the house. His mother's faith was all the more impressive because she's the one who passed it on to him. The father did not share the same faith. So she went alone in her house. Her faith was real to her. It was living. It was genuine. It was a driving force in her life, not just an add-on. Not just something she talked about, but something she participated in, even when it wasn't popular, in her own home. And I, 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 this morning, I, I, I thank God. I know we've got, we've got many of you here today. I thank God for those moms who have taken the lead spiritually when dad didn't do it. And fellas, listen, it's no shame on us. It's just reality. Okay? It's not shame on us. We've got lots of men here today who are taking the lead spiritually in their homes and praise God for them as well. But we also have a lot of women who maybe the dad didn't share the same commitment to the Lord. Maybe didn't have one at all. And they took the lead. And many of you are here today because a mother decided, you know what? I'm going to teach my kids about Jesus. I've told the story before and, and I... I go back to it. My 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 grandmother, my dad's mother, who is still still living, saw her yesterday. As a matter of fact, she grew up in a home with several brothers, and none of them, honestly, were much count, as we like to say. They had some struggles and difficulties, and battled different things in their lives, and just. You know, she decided, however, that she was going to follow Jesus. And she married my grandfather, and he was a solid man. He was a Christian man, but not a terribly strong spiritual leader, if that makes sense. And so my grandmother, by most accounts, according to my dad, was the spiritual leader, if you will, in that home. And now my grandfather would go to church with him and so on, but Mamaw was the one who took hold of it. 
And as a result of her decision as both a sister and then later on as a wife and as a mother, my dad now follows Jesus and has since he was 15 years old. And the ripple effect of that continues to be seen in my family as well. And so Paul is saying this first lived in your grandmother, then it lived in your mother. Pass that on. Keep it going. And I'm grateful for moms and grandmothers who have prayed faithfully for those children and grandchildren. There's nothing more important than modeling that sincere faith. Paul also talked about not only this living faith, this real thing that we pass on, not just something we do on Sunday morning, this real faith that lives in everything we do, but also this love for Scripture. He says in chapter 3, verse 14, that he talks about how Timothy was taught the Scriptures. His mother and his grandmother believed them. They lived the Scriptures. They loved them. And then they taught them to Timothy. Now let me just tell you as, as something that I know from Clint and from Andrew both, as we talk in our, uh, as, as a staff here at church, we, we want you to bring your children to church. We are so, I mean, it's so exciting. Isn't it every Sunday morning that we see these young kids? And if you, if you come on Wednesday nights, listen, you're going to see even more of them. They're everywhere, and it's great. But simply bringing them to church is not enough. It, it, we're glad to partner with you, but it's not enough. Paul talks about how this mother, this grandmother, they talked about the scriptures at home. Do, do you know how, how the studies will tell you that most kids will grow up, that grow up in church, and the studies are, you know, well, however many out of ten eventually just leave the church and never come back? There was a study done once, and this guy, it was more anecdotal than it was anything, but in his, in his experience, working with children, working with teenagers, working with parents over time, what he said, he said, well, let's flip that around a little bit, and he talked about the three reasons why kids stay. He said, first of all, they were truly converted. They truly came to know Jesus. It wasn't just something they were playing along because mom and dad said, I got to go to church. They truly had a heart change, repented of their sins, believed in Jesus Christ and in him alone for salvation. And they were truly saved from their sins. That's the first thing. He said also in their children's and youth ministries, they were equipped, not just entertained. And so it wasn't just pizza parties and dynamite. Hey, let's have a big time. It was they were taught the scriptures, they were equipped on how to study them, and they were challenged in their faith beyond just showing up at church. And then thirdly, he said, their parents talked about the gospel with them. He said over and over and over, these kids who stuck around, who continued to walk with Jesus, they had parents who poured into them and gave them the scripture. That's what Paul's talking about. To pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. You say, all right, that's cool. But man, I'm stressed out. I mean, you don't understand. I, I'm here because this is the only break I get all week long. And somebody else right now is watching my kids. And praise God for that. Whew, I'm just worn out. Now you're going to give me something else to do. How, how, how do you start? Where do you begin? What do you do first? All right, I, I get it. I want to. I really do. I'm not even being a smart aleck anymore. I really want to pass along this to my kids. I know it's most important. Man, what do I do? How do I get going with this? And let me just give you a few things that Paul lays out here in chapter 3. Where to begin? How do you pass along this living faith, this love for Scripture? I think he gives three things here. First of all, let your kids know you. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. 
He says, as for you, talking to Timothy, and he's using a contrast, by the way, talking about everybody else, what they're doing is, is they're falling away. He says, as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing those from whom you learned it. Now, this isn't just knowing about them. This is knowing them. It seems as if Timothy's grandmother and his mother both let him know them very, very well. You know those who taught you. Paul wanted him to remember the people that had had such an influence on him. His mother, his grandmother, who taught him from an early age. Now, this is not always easy as parents. I, I mean, I, I, I'll admit to you, I, I have four children. This is not easy just to let your kids know you all the time. Especially for those, and particularly our moms, who are stressed out and tired from your responsibilities at work or at home or, or both. But let me encourage you as best you can to be available, to give them time, both the quality and the quantity time, to talk, to listen, to study them a little bit, to admit your own weaknesses, to apologize, to let them see how you deal emotionally with things. I don't think it's particularly healthy for kids to grow up in a home where it seems that nothing affects mom and dad. I don't think it's healthy. I don't have chapter and verse on that. I just don't. I just don't think it, as a pastor. I don't think it's very healthy. Well, I never saw my parents deal with anything that seemed to upset them. Okay, so they were really fake all the time. Listen, I'm going to have to counsel your kids one day. Okay, all right. One day they're going to come to my office and they're going to sit down and they're going to say, "Man, I don't have a clue how to deal with these problems." Well, how did your parents? Say? I don't know. Folks, let them know. You got issues, don't you? The kids are gone now, okay? We got issues, right? We got issues that we need to deal with. And how will our children know how God wants us to deal with those issues, how God wants them to deal with it if they never see us, if they never get to know us? Spend some time with them. Let your kids get to know you a little bit. Moms, by the way, in another Barna study, listen to this. Moms, they, they, they found, are the primary activity and conversation partners for their teenagers. So if you've got teenagers, they're not gone right now, and you're wondering what I do with them, because they're weird. Okay? Y'all, listen, if you're a teenager, you kind of know you're weird anyway, and that's cool. You, deep down, and you are. Um, I have two in my home. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, we love them, you know. Like to embarrass them. But anyway, here's the thing. Here's here's what the study said. For all the stereotypes of teens rolling their eyes at their parents, this generation is actually very open with and dependent on their mothers. Consider their descriptions of one-on-one time with their housemates. Today's Christian teen consistently identifies their mother as the principal housemate for almost all activities. From eating meals together to watching TV to talking about God to having confrontations, mothers are the primary activity partner for their teens. Some of you are saying, yeah, I know about that confrontation stuff all the time. But do you understand that that's part of them interacting with you so that you have the platform from which to speak other things? They're second only to friendships when it comes to using their phones for texting and calling. Teenagers text and call their moms more than anybody but their friends. The only time mothers are not leading the way is when it comes to activities like interacting on social media, playing sports, and both of those are dominated by friendships. Let them get to know you. you got a great opportunity, Mom. You may, not, you may not feel it all the time, and they may give it to you like they don't give it to Dad because Dad will just, you know, and they don't, that's the way it goes, right? 
And mom, you seem to get all of it. I mean, they just throw up all over you, right? That's just the way it is. But guess what? They don't talk to dad about the same things they talk to mom about. They don't. Secondly, not only let your kids know you, but start as early as possible. Begin as early as possible. He says in verse 15, from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures. From, from an early age, this grandmother, this mother, they, they started. It's the idea of him being a very young boy when they started to teach him the scriptures. Many of you have done this, and praise God for that. You've started early by investing in them and so on. Now this, this has to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. You've got to take advantage of those teachable moments when the Lord presents them to you. You've got to go with them to their activities and go with them to church and be with them a lot and start early. Uh, some of you say, well, okay, that's great, but I don't have little kids anymore. And I didn't do it. Or maybe I feel like I didn't do it, or I just, eh. Start as early as possible. When is er as early as possible? When we close in prayer today. Start today. That Barna study that I just read a little bit about goes on to talk about this. Teenagers, so we're talking, if you need to start somewhere, teenagers go to moms for tough conversations and personal support, it says. According to practicing teenage, practicing Christian teenagers, mothers are the go-to person for all kinds of support. 78% say they go for advice. 75% for encouragement. 72% for sympathy. Because they know they ain't getting none of that from dad, right? <laughs> Dad's advice, suck it up. Dad's encouragement, and dad's sympathy is like, whatever, you know. Meanwhile, fathers play somewhat a key role in meeting some of their tangible needs. This is great. Teens say that 74%, 74% of teens say that their dad is a primary money giver. Go to dad if you need some money. Get out of here. And then for logistical help, I need to figure something out here or whatever. That's what they go. Listen, that's not just being stereotypical. That's what teenagers are saying. I go to dad for this. I go to mom for this. As mothers are seen as advisors and encouragers, teens report approaching them with tougher topics. In the impressionable middle school and high school years, even conversations about sex are not off limits between teens and moms. Understandably, there's a difference with the genders. 30% of boys, 48% of girls talk with their mothers about that. But they seek out mom for advice on the toughest topics. Christian teens primarily seek out their mother's opinions on questions of faith, the Bible, and what might be troubling them. And it's overwhelming they go to mom for that stuff. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't go to mom or there's something wrong with dad. That's just what they're doing. And so begin as early as you can. Just start talking with them. Start listening. Start pouring into them as best you can. And then thirdly, teach them the importance and the relevance of the Scripture. Paul said this in chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. He says, Those Scriptures are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And he says in verse 16, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Paul says its importance comes from its source. Why does it matter? Because it comes from God. It's all breathed out. It's all inspired by Him. It's His story. And the central character is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it describes His actions from eternity past into eternity future and His plan for all of us. 
And he gave it to us so that we could know him because without the scripture we can't fully know God. And it's that important because it comes from him. And since we can't find God on our own, he revealed himself to us both through creation and also through the scripture. And he talks about how it's also not, not just authoritative and important, but it's relevant. He says it's beneficial for all these things, showing us the way for salvation, teaching us right from wrong, shows us when we're going the wrong way. It helps us to get back on the path of obedience when we fall. And it lays out instructions for each step of our life's journey so that we can be ready and able to take on any task that is given to us by God. If you're going to pass on anything to your kids, why not pass that on? It's huge. It's everything in life. That Barna study also said that practicing Christians in their teen years identify their mothers as the one who provide the primary spiritual guidance and instruction and instill the values and discipline in their faith. Moms are their foremost partners in prayer and they, they have more conversations with God and the Bible faith with mom than anybody else. I don't know where you are right now as a mom and you may be beaten down. But if I can encourage you with one thing to do, and that is to pray and say, Dear God, how in the world show me? How can I pass along a living faith? Lord, invade my life. How can I pass on a love for Scripture? Lord, show me how to help my kids know you and love you. If you do nothing else, then pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. But remember this, you can't pass along what you don't have. And so maybe today, if you're a mom in this room and you say, I, I hear all that, but man, it, there's nothing alive in me when it comes to faith. Maybe today is the day that you repent of sin and you turn to Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins, the one who was buried to take them away, the one who was raised again to give us eternal life. Maybe today you'd humble yourself and repent of sin and turn to him in faith. Can't pass along what you don't have, but if you are a believer in Jesus and you're a mother, then please take God's advice and pass it along.